I'm James Hoog, and this is Outside the Glass. Outside the Glass is brought to you by SquashProShop.com, our source for equipment for racquetball, badminton, paddle tennis, and of course squash. They carry a great selection of squash equipment from all the top manufacturers at the lowest prices. Rackets and shoes, balls and bags, goggles and grips, they've got it all. And they offer fast and free shipping on orders over $25. For the best selection of prices and service on the internet, visit squashproshop.com. It's June, which means it's summer camp time, and uh, one of the most famous summer camps out there is Universal Squash. Uh, which Brian Patterson has been running since 1986. So we thought we'd bring you a conversation with Brian. Brian, uh, as you would expect, was a great storyteller. If you have young children, you might want to um, uh, put them to bed before uh, listening because Brian uh, can get a little salty. It's a, it's a great interview. Here we are with Outside the Glass, a special edition. We've got um, uh, Bill Buckingham one of the uh, contributors to Outside the Glass and I, with Brian Patterson. So, Brian, uh, let's go back to Barrack-upon-Tweed um, back in the 1830s, a um, little earlier. Uh, so t- tell me about growing up and, and how you first uh, got involved in squash. Um, I mean, Barrack's a very small town. Mm-hmm. My parents were relatively sporty. My dad, I think, could have been... A- could possibly could have been a soccer player. He certainly loved his cricket. My mother was a swimmer and a tennis player, and they just were always, you know, they'd be taking us down the, the tennis courts, down the football field to kick it around. Um, so you've got gone to sort of sport that way. Um, I was very lucky, and I still wonder how they ever sent me there, how they could afford it. I went to a boarding school, which had uh, two squash courts, two of these very cold, uh, old squash courts. This is in York? It was in a little town called Barnard Castle in County Durham. Or the state of Durham, as you might call it over here. Because Malcolm Wilshop was telling me something yeah, about. Yeah, I, I went to. I was so I went so I went to school. Um, the first year I didn't really know much about squash, but the second year uh, an alumni came back as a teacher. He was not a great. He, he never went on court with you, but he, he introduced everybody to the game. And he took all the the grades down to the courts and said, "This is squash. You should play this game." Blah blah blah. Uh, got involved in playing there. I think I was the youngest player at the time to get into the varsity team, and there was only five on a team. Right. Um, two courts. Two courts, yeah, really cold. It was, you know, the lob and drop game was the greatest game to play. <laughs> Not that I was that skillful, I was just a hitter. <laughs> but uh, so that's, uh, that's basically where I learned my squash. Um, played tournaments. Um, in fact, it was the funny, uh, funny story about my first tournament. That, uh, Mr. King, who was the alumni, who was the coach, he entered four of us into, um, I can't remember the name of the tournament. It was at Christmas, just after Christmas. And um, he phoned up like two days before Christmas. He phoned up all the parents to say, "Hey, so your kid's ready to go to the, go down to the go to London playing this tournament." And my parents went, "What? What tournament? What? He, he hasn't told us a thing about this. What's going on? You know?" But my parents, being who they were, said, "All right, there's the ticket. You got somewhere to stay." And one of the other guys had friends down relatives down there. Got on the train. We met on the way down. Went down to play uh, a tournament in London. That was your first tournament. Uh, my first tournament. How old were you? Thirteen. 12, 13. That's the way parents are today, right? It's yes. The kids do Can it. Can you imagine? Parents have no idea. We like to do that with our kids in the Bronx, get them on trains. And so I went down, I think I got the quarterfinals. Um, and then there was tournaments of like the Easter time, spring break, went down to those. And over the years, I seemed to sort of progress through the semifinals. And I then made the, um, the final of the Drysdale. 
right? Uh, which I won. Well, you won it in '63. '63. So yeah. what was what was the British Junior Open back then? It was just that one draw, right? I, I like to call the sort of unofficial world, world championship. Well, it sort of was. I think it might have been one foreign play. But I think, you know... You what was it like? Was it in London? Or it was in London. At it was the actually RAC at the RAC Club, where you had to dress accordingly. You know, you're supposed to have collar and tie and, you know, jacket and all this stuff going on, you know, which we did. But, uh, yeah, it was at the RAC Club. And um, the coach there at the time was Nasrullah Khan, who was right. the coach to Jonah Barrington. And, unbe- and I got to know Jonah Barrington very well afterwards. And, and Jonah told me that... Um, I was in the semis, and he, Nasrullah was maybe roughing or marking, and he went to Jonah afterwards and said, you have got to come and see this kid play. He's very much like you, just a grinder, you know, just like hit, keeps the ball going. You should come and watch this kid. Well, I got the final and, and won the final, and I never met Jonah that week, that week, but I've trained and played with him subsequently since then many, many times. Um, but Nasrullah Khan thought enough of me to tell Jonah Brown that this kid might be a decent player. So this is junior squash. This was junior squash. So comparing it to what it's going on, what it is like now in the States, you went to this tournament, like, you, how are you seated? How was that all done back then with no people not knowing who you are? Or? I think it was done from the previous tournaments over the years. You know, over the years, it was mainly, it was a small game in the 60s in, in, right. in England, in the UK. Um, so I think over the years they got to know where you should be seated, you know. Um, Who'd you play in the finals? A guy called Stevens. I can't remember his first name. It was three two. It was gr- you know it was a grinder out. You know blisters on your the old the old white Dunlop canvas canvas shoes blisters on your feet afterwards. Blah blah blah. Um, it was three two. Were your parents at the match? My my dad never saw me play squash. My mother saw me a couple of times. That was it. They would just they'd just let you go go play. Get out of here, go play. Uh, my dad never saw me play. I don't know. That, I don't even know if he was very proud that I won the uh, prize. He'd rather me be a soccer player. <laughs> or a cricketer. <laughs> oh, I think maybe a soccer player. Well, maybe, or a cricketer, yeah, yeah. But, um... Was was that a big moment? Like, was it in the newspaper? Was there, you know... It was or, or did it just kind of disappear? No, it, I mean, a local paper obviously picked up on it big time. I, I think it was in the Times. You know, those were the days when it was like, you know, played by, again, the wealthy people. Yeah. Uh, not that my family was wealthy, let's get this straight. I was actually called... I met a guy many, many years later, and he said, Oh, you were the northerner. You used to come down and beat <laughs> up on us. And I was like, yeah, I was. You were. And... So I was, you know, it was mainly a southern, a southern sport. Um, so um, I forgot any question. Oh, it was just about the about what happened after the tournament. Like, did you? Oh, um, I think it was a little bit in the times. I think yeah. the time report right. every every sort of like round, you know, a very yeah. small down. Right, but something. Yeah. But something was in. So then, did you after you finished that? What 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 did you do next? Like, did you did you? I went to college. Um, I went to St. John's College, this is where I met Malcolm. Yeah. He was a teacher at uh, St. Peter's School, I was at uh, St. John's College, York. Yeah. Um, I played uh, played some squ- I played some squash there. There was no squash at the college, but there was, um, there was a, York is a, is a railway city, and then they had what was called the Railway Institute with about eight courts. Right. You know, all the, anybody who worked on the railways could, like, you could join for five bucks a year and you played squash. And, I played there. One of the guys that played there was a, a reporter on the sort of York papers, so he was always interested in what was going on. Personally, when I was there, I'd rather I was a soccer player. Played for my college. We won the national championship, so I really wanted to be a soccer player. Sadly, I wasn't quite good enough to be a soccer player, but I, I just all about soccer. What position were you? Uh, I was a, a outside left, left wing, relatively fast. Left footed. Fast, yeah, left footed. Yeah. 
Who, who, what team did you grow up supporting? Uh, Sport Newcastle United, yeah. who I still support. Still do. Still do, passionate about them. They were, my dad used to take me to the matches, and in the day, if he could carry you through the turnstile, you got in free. So, so he carried you until you were 19? Through, no, I'm not quite 19, but he did carry me through, little, you know, about 10 or 11. He's like, dude, this is it. You've got to pay for your own. You go down. He, he had a season ticket, so he would sit in the stands and we'd go through, and we were on the sort of like the north bank with the, the, the fans and the rowdies and things like that. But yeah, as long as you could carry you through, you got in for free. So that was, that was quite good. You know? After that, it was just a case of we traveled down. He and his buddies would go to a, you know, go and have lunch at a bar somewhere, and he'd just give us the money and go, yeah, we'll see you after the match. At this point, that was it. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I'd love to. I would have loved to have been a soccer player. Mm. I, I actually played when I was at York, when I was at uh, St John's College York. Um, on my, in my first year there, I actually played for York, York City, um, because I'd come from a rugby playing school. So the the, the team, the college team, were like, what, what, what do you play? I said, well, soccer and a little bit of rugby. Like, oh, rugby, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they they didn't. Um, they didn't really realize I was a decent football player, uh, and so the um, the manager. Sorry, I'm, I'm, this is usually about good. stories. The manager. I played for Berwick Rangers actually. No, sorry, I, I, the guy down at York. Um, I went. I just phoned him up and said, "Hey, I'm a football player. Any chance I could have a trial?" He said, "Yeah, come along." I had a trial, and I played two or three matches for them. But then the college were like, "Dude, you should, you've got to be playing for us, not them." But you did it in what division were they? Oh, they were in the bottom division. They were like they seventh, were fourth, well, fourth division at the time. You know, fourth. That's amazing. But it was, but it was fun, you know. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, we went to a, we had a local derby against a team like fifty miles away, Darlington. You know, where there's about five hundred people in the stadium, right. we hold maybe ten thousand. You know, stuff like that. It was, it was, it was fun. It was fun. So I played, I played soccer in college. Played some squash. I actually had to my thesis was to introduce the rest of my year to squash and write about it and write about you know how you can get people into the game of squash and, and subsequently um, two or three guys took up the game of squash. One of, one of the guys when I became a pro actually got in touch with me and said hey I see you playing squash you know any chance I can maybe travel with you and he came to, he was a teacher at the time and he came to Canada with me for two months um, and just trained and played. He was, he was so keen about the game. Um, good guy Ronnie Blackburn who had been on Leeds United books when they were the, one of the top team with uh, Don Revy. Well, yeah. Revy. Uh, uh, Revy, Revy was like, got him in the office one day and said, You're either signing or you're out. <laughs> and the guy was like, he, You know, he'd heard about people getting injured and breaking legs and then not being able to continue. So he's like, That's when he, he decided to become a teacher. He went to teach at training college, St John's College York, and trained as a teacher and said, You know, I'm, I'm out. Which was because he was a great player for us, brilliant player, midfielder. Played the ball off all, all over the place. Great guy. I mean, the soccer fandom within the uh, PSA tour right now is so prevalent. But, but, the, yeah, the yeah. boys, especially on the boys' side, the, the men's side, those guys seem to just like you seem to enjoy the game of soccer more yeah. than they like squash. It, I mean, soccer is a universal sport, and, and it is a great game. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it is the world sport. <clears throat> um, I just wish so many people didn't sport Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, anecdotally, uh, I, I would see Brian, the only time I would ever see Brian uh, uh, when I was living up on in the upper 90s is I on Sunday morning, my wife and I would go take our Sunday morning walk to go get our bagels and our and you'd be in the coffee, pub. and uh, yeah, Brian, I would see Brian's red jeep parked outside our local Kinsale pub on 94th Street, and I'd always say to my wife, I said, that's Brian's car. Was it a Newcastle game? Yeah, and he'd walk in, and there was Brian sipping his cup of tea at 8 o'clock in the morning with yeah. the other uh, regulars watching the games. So, so I, I, I played, I, I left, became a teacher 
and um, what year is this? Like sixty eight. and I left. I went back to Barrett for the summer, <coughs> and actually played for Barrett Rangers, um, three or four games there. Um, and this, what really, Steve, I'm gonna, what really pissed me off when I was there was like. I played for Barrett Rangers and then I, I, I got a job teaching back in the Midlands so I had to go back to the Midlands and the manager, Jock Wallace, who, who was a, he was the goalkeeper, he said, oh, he said I'm going to get in touch with a friend of mine down in uh, one of the teams in the Midlands on a phone him something, go and stay there, you'll, you'll get in their team, you know. But about three weeks after I left to go back to down in the Midlands to my teaching job, Berwick played Glasgow Rangers, the big team at Berwick. And they freaking well won one nil. Barrick won one nil. So I missed that game by two weeks, and that really hurt me off. I was like, damn, yeah, that really pissed me off. It was a big win. One of the one of the supporters of Barrick was like, you know, before the match, he went, I'll eat my head if they win. I'll eat my head. Well, did he was made to eat his head? <laughs> eat his head. I don't know what sort of head it was, but he was made to eat it because they won one nil. It was a huge win, huge win. So I missed that game by two weeks, which really upset me. Did Barrick ever do well in the FA Cup, or? Well, they, 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 it's the only team that's in England. It's just inside England. Right, exactly. But, but they play in the Scottish League. Oh, they play in the Scottish League. Yeah, so they the Scottish Cup, of the, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, never. Really, I mean, they beat Glasgow Rangers and then got beaten by like a team in the same division the next next round. You know, it was it was, it was tough. Um, huh. And the other the other, the other uh, interesting time for me was when I played with Barrick. I, I, I think I scored a couple of goals, but my dad was a very very quiet. He didn't really say much. Didn't come with a guy, and he was at the match with his with his twin brother, and um, I scored this goal. And my twin, his twin brother Bill, after said to me, he said, "Dude, I have never seen your dad get so freaking excited." He said he leapt up in the air, had his arms up, was yeah, and then sat down again. Was quite as hell. <laughs> he said that's the only time I've ever seen him get excited. And I scored the goal, <laughs> and he was my, that he was more excited about that than me winning the Drysdale Cup. Oh, exactly, right, yeah, totally, yeah. totally, world junior champion. Yeah, yeah. whatever. So, I mean, so, so our soccer podcast is going really well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So to go back to my dad, I, I want to go back to my dad because it's very interesting. He was a he was a twin, and he was he was he was um, he was a second he was second out, and it was Victoria, sort of the end of the Victorian era, and the, the family had a little sort of like haberdashery in in, in Bury. And uh, there, my grandparents, who I didn't know, said to Bill, what do you want to do? And he said, oh, blah, 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 one of this. And they just turned around to my dad and said, see you in the shop tomorrow. Right. And he hated it. And that's what he did his whole life. And he didn't like it at all. He used, he used, he used the work there and the pay there to go watch Newcastle play, to go see the cup finals, to go watch cricket, to go to horse racing. He was a sporty guy, but he never got the chance to do <coughs> or play and he scored was I, I really sad about that did that inform your life and that's you decided that's not the way you were going to go and you were going to stick I, with sport I don't, and do something that, I don't think it was, that was the way I thought about it I think it was the way my parents were like that's never happening to our, our kids you know um, they gave you guys never play. had the you had the choice to do something yeah, beyond yeah you know and, the, and you know I, mean, I do remember playing sort of kicking the ball on my dad and playing cricket on the beach with him and stuff like that yeah. and he'd come he would come and watch cricket and he'd come and watch soccer but he never ever came to see squash which is quite, you know, it's interesting. Um, so, you know, I kind of felt sad for him, but they gave us the opportunity to do whatever we wanted to do, which was great. You had other brothers and sisters? I had one, one sister, yeah. who actually was absolutely, totally not sporty. <laughs> <laughs> not sporty at all. She was, became a nurse and uh, a very, very, very highly rated nurse. 
So you're teaching in the Midlands? Teaching in the Midlands. Is there squash where I, you're teaching? Or? I was teaching, I was a phys ed teacher and a classroom geography, but I then, I was, I was playing a bit of soccer, but um, I also joined Sutton Coldfield Squash Club and was playing squash and most of the matches took place on a weekend as did soccer. Mm. And I met Jonah, Jonah was based in the Midlands and I'd gone to sort of train and play with him and he said, you got you got to make your mind up here. You know, you're not you're either going to try and play soccer or you're going to try and play squash. And he influenced me um, to get into the squash world. You know, become more uh, engaged in squash mm. and train and play with him. Um, and I was there for three, four years in the Midlands. And he then said to me, because then the sort of centre of squash shifted down to London. Yeah. And he was like, you got to go down to London. You need to go to London to where the best players are. Where the best players are to further your squash career. So I moved down there. Became a part-time teacher, taught in the mornings, got the afternoons off so I could really train and play. Um, played for uh, Paddington with Mike Corby, yeah. Corbs, um, who in my second year there allowed me, he said, I allowed you to become the number one on the team. He said, you never beat me, but I'm going to let you play one. I'm, like, I'm not sure whether I beat him or not, but he, he's, he's always rubbing that in. I allowed you to play the number one. Okay. Um, <coughs> where where were you playing? Like what club were you, were you a, a joining club or I, 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 I played for Panning. Oh. Um, I think it was bowls and tennis. You know the old, the old bowls thing. You'd walk in. There was all these bowls, lawn bowls, and in the middle was like the four court squash court. You know, so when you obviously when your career in squash was finished, you could get out there and do some bowling. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, played played there for the for the years I was down there. Mm. Play, I think you know we played well, and then there was the um, tryouts for the GB side. Yeah, um, <coughs> I, I was harness ranked to sort of play in the playoffs, playing the in, in playoffs and things like that, and uh, made the team in seventy three. In seventy two, I don't know whether you remember the guy Dick Hawkey. Yep, he, he, took, wrote, he was uh, the referee, right? Referee, but he was also like um, he was a very big proponent of South Africa. He had connections there. Yeah. They had the South African Knights, and yeah. there was a British Swallows, and he took the Swallows down to South Africa in 70, 72. You did that? He, I was invited by him to go, so we went, and there was four of us. Um, trying to think who I went. Kim Bruce Lockhart went, who died, sadly, of a heart problem, which he never knew about. And there was two other guys, I'm trying to think who they were. Might have been Peter, was it Peter Vizra? I don't think so. And you were there like a month? We were there a month. Just travelled around, all travelled around. It was it was an interesting time to be there. It was apartheid. Mm. But at the same time, you know, we went to mixed parties. We would, you know, we had, we took on um, the, the, the the Africans, the indigenous Africans and the, and the Indians who were there. They were like, they would, they would be able to get on court at like 11 o'clock at night. So it would be like, okay, guys, here we go. You know, on the court, we'd go at 11 o'clock at night with these guys. And it was, it was, yeah. it was fun. You know, it was really fun. The next year was the World Championships, and again back in South Africa, <coughs> I, got, I was I got the the British side. Uh, as the number this is the amateur. Only. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got in as a number four, so I was like the alternate. Mm. Uh, went down there, played it. We played in Johannesburg at altitude. Yeah. We played the um, teams at, at um, in Johannesburg. Yeah. We ugh, got so close to winning those teams. Stuart Courtney. We were in the final against Australia. Stuart Courtney was playing who? And we were like, we knew Stuart had to win in three. And Stuart wins the first two games. Great, like, come on. It's one all, you know. Uh, number th- number three had won. Johnny sort of lost. Uh, Stuart was on. It was t- he was up two love playing. And this guy's talented. I mean, really talented. Lefty, talented. 
two of them up and we're like, come on, come on. It was the old scoring to nine. And it was like seven all. We're like, oh, come on, Stuart. And, and you know, eight all, going to ten, boom, Stuart loses it. And we're like, oh, he lost that game. And so the, the, the fourth game, yeah, he got crushed in the fourth game. So we're like, okay, he's saving his energy for the fifth game. Come on, Stuart, you can do this. And it was a close game. But, you know, it's like 9-7, nine, 9-6. Nine, nine, so we, we finished up runners-up to um, South Africa, uh, to uh, Australia. I found it interesting, uh, your, your mention of uh, the apartheid and the, the people who didn't have access to the courts yeah, unless you yeah. played with them in, in the yeah. evening. Did that in any way uh, influence you to what you do now, uh, working with the Urban Squash Program and uh, an underserved community in the same realm? I think, I think it probably did. And if I can just go back to my, my teaching, my teaching went off when I went to teach in the Midlands. It was at, in, a, in a town called Warsaw, which, which was a, a pretty densely populated immigrant, immigrant town of Indians, Dagestanis. So the school I taught in was a very small secondary school, 450 kids, um, very poor area. I mean, really poor area. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, in hindsight, looking back, that was, that was inner city at risk of urban kids. I moved right. to London, to the east end of London. That's where you lived? I, I did, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't like to live very far away from where, where I'm working. Right. That's like crazy. So I moved to London and worked in another inner city um, at-risk school in, in, in London. So, you know, I think, I think without really thinking about it, that's what I did. And right. I, I think that and South Africa probably influenced me getting into urban squash here. Yeah. 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 yeah, he lives, uh, Brian lives uh, not but a block from the Fordham right. campus. Right. He's the oldest yeah. uh, student um, on, on the campus. The um, so yeah so I got the finals so we put, went down to, to Durham to play the individuals right and um, I was I played in the qualifiers I mean there's a lot of lot of teams there one or two teams missing but you take you, you know you take your chance when you can um, played in the qualifiers and I remember the, I remember the last qualifying round playing a guy called Selwyn Mashet M A C H E T I think that's how you say Selwyn South African did it. it was a battle. I mean, it was just one of those grinders, 3-2, 10-9 in the fifth. And I mean, he could easily, he could just as easily won it as I did. So I'm like psyched to get through the first round of the World Championships. Um, I can't remember who I played in the first round, but then I, I just crushed through the, the event. I beat um, the South African number one, uh, Roland Watson, who, um, they're talking about masks, you know, he was the first guy to wear eye protection and it wasn't just goggles it was like a helmet. motorcycle helmet with this round here and the the the, the um, advert for it was just, was and he did this you saw him in the advert getting close and he'd be here and the ball would be there and the guy would be swinging it was getting close you'll be safe I mean I was like what the heck are you talking about <laughs> you know this, but he played in this he played in the helmet and the, the visor. Oh, right. I, I be, I, so I beat him. Um, then I played our own number one, John Easter, who I crushed 3-0. Really? I did, yeah. And, and they were all like, yeah, well, you didn't really play that much up at altitude, and now you're down, you're trained up there, and now you're down at the beach, and it's, you know, you, you've it's got, easy, you're yeah. ready to go. Played John Easter, beat him. Um, played the Australian number two, Dave Wright. Beat him 3-1, I think. It was interesting. He... He smacked me on here. You need racket. you needed to be wearing the helmet. I should have. <laughs> I think Roman was like, "Told you." <laughs> you got smacked me here, and and afterwards the, the doctor said, "Look, you're really lucky because it'd been an inch low. You've lost all your teeth, and it'd been an inch high. You break your nose, you know." And um, 
I remember playing him. I distinctly remember playing him. Sorry. Remember playing him, and um, that was a match ball. And it looked like it was going out at the back. You know how the glass, the glass, the top of the glass is out. And he sort of looked, and it sort of, it hit the top of the glass, and popped up, and popped up. And I was like, yeah. And Dave, and then Dave went and hit it, and there was no call. I'm like, what? Shit. So then I, you know, got onto it. But I think he won that point, which was then kind of scary. I'm like, because I'm still, I'm at like eight, but he's at seven now. I'm like, oh crap, 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 crap. But he made it. Yeah, he made a mistake to finish the game for me. So it was, I beat him three, two, three, one in the semis, and then played Cameron Carroll in the final. Who was did? He was just, you know, he was, he was on, on song. He was, he was about to turn pro. He was, there was no way he was. He just won the British, I think, and he was now going to win the world. And there was no way he was, you know, going to lose to some random, some great. punk who came through the qualifiers and beat, <laughs> beat his number two and all. There was no way he was going to let me win. It was three 0 It was, it was decent. You know, it was like nine six, nine five, nine seven. It was decent, but yeah, he's he's an awkward player. <clears throat> so then, player. then you turned pro. I about six months later turned pro. So, so how did that discussion happen? Because back then. You know, the ISPA was just starting, the whole yeah. thing was new. Like, what does that mean, turn pro? Like, how to Well, how I think the, the ISPA, it's not it's quite started then, but, you know, like, but there had been this circuit with Jonah, Jeff, Traveling uh, around. Um, the guy that was up in Canada, Sharif, Sharif and, mm-hmm. and, and, and they played, and so it was getting a reasonable amount of publicity in the squash world, you know, it was like, God, this is great. I'd always wanted to be a squash, I'd always wanted to be a soccer, professional soccer player. You know, but there's a, the light goes on where it goes, you know what, you're never going to be good enough to do that, but you know, here's squash, you're right in at the start of it all, um, maybe, you know, give it a go. So I gave it a go, um, I, I, you had to declare yourself a pro, so I wrote to the England squash and as of the 1st of January 1968, I will be a professional, no longer an amateur. Um, so they were, you know, like, okay. I mean, just to say a step back, in 73, before the World Championships, there was the inaugural European Team Championships up in Edinburgh, yeah. which, I, which I played in, um, which, was, which was really great. You know, um, Prince Folk was there, came and shook hands with the teams, and they like, you got this plaque saying, hey, sorry about that, and saying, you know, inaugural European Team Championships. Yeah. It was great. It was really cool. And I played in one of the home internationals, the four countries, yeah. uh, England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, played in one of those, and then played myself pro. So how did turning pro change your, your job, your day-to-day job? Were you still teaching or were you just full-time training for? I, I gave it up. I gave up teaching and, um, you know, proceeded to worry about whether, 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 well, not, I didn't really worry about where money, I've never really been a person that worries about money, I've got to be honest. But obviously it's still like, you need something to live. And did a little bit of coaching. I think I did it two days a week. I thought, I'm not going to do the pro route where you're coaching because that's going to kill your game. I hit two clubs up for like maybe four hours on a Monday and two or three hours on a Tuesday. That was enough to keep me going, really keep me going. And then you would you were training twice a day or? I was playing, yeah, two, three times a day, mornings, afternoons, and then probably a run in the evenings. I mean, it was, you know, you, you didn't really know what the hell you were doing, I've got to be honest. Also met, also through Jonah, we met Bomber Harris mm. and went down to Cheltenham to this guy the first weekend we were there. This guy was brutal. He was really brutal. Also, I, hope, I don't think you'd mind me saying this. He was a sergeant in the RAF. Um, no relation to the bomber Harris, who flew, flew in the wars and what have you, but he was a sergeant in the RAF who had been on the fast track to being an officer. 
but he was a very outspoken sort of brash guy and he I think he'd upset some of the officers and they were like that's it there's no way this guy's been an officer so he was always a sergeant so he had this chip so I, I think he took it out on us half the time because of this freaking chip but the first weekend we were there John had found him through the badminton association you know because John was always looking for ways to like train and play and what did you eat I mean a couple of stories about John was like you know, if he if he met talked to somebody, he said, "What do you eat? What do you eat to do this?" And he go, "Oh, you know, wow, what do I eat? Oh, I love peanuts." So that was it. Jumped up, peanuts, great. That's it, peanuts. <laughs> or somebody would say, "Raisins." Oh, that's it, raisins. This is going to be the food of the champion here. Right. I'm going to eat what they're telling me to eat. It is very, always trying something. Yeah. And so he tried out this uh, session, and then he said to us, "Dude, you guys should come." And he put together four of us who went down to Bomber House. Did this guy put us? We stayed on site in holding um, in a holding dormitory where you know people, uh, RAF coming in from abroad would stay there and then go out to be based somewhere else stayed there this guy his laugh was like nasty in the mornings when he'd come he'd go you'd hear him first you know it'd be this like ha 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 coming to get you guys get up you know he's had this horrible <laughs> like laugh but we trained I mean he trained us I mean I don't need he just he just puts through these unbelievably tough routines and things like this, things that you would never even think about doing today. Tele- like what? Tele- all right, telegraph pole. Bobby, four of you with a telegraph pole, and this base was big. And you're like, Carry this you're running around, around the outside. But you, as you ran, he, when he said, when I blow the whistle, the guy at the back, the Switch. guy at the back runs to the front, and everybody, everybody puts it forward. And you dude, you came back, and you're like, <laughs> and, like and then you go and call, get the racket up. <laughs> yeah, like, so are, you, so are you paying him for this? We were, yeah, we were. We paying were, him for the we punishment? I mean, it was, you know, it was, this, it was the 70s, you know. Sure. T- Ten bucks for the weekend. Right. He was, he was a bit of, he was a bit of a boy. He was, and he would go to his house for, for food and what have you. But he was getting the food from the army um, base, you know, very, either free, you know, like nicking it, or he's getting it very cheaply, you know. Right. Um, so, you know, we trained. I mean, I remember the first, when I got back to London, I couldn't get out of bed on the Monday morning. I mean, you have, to, you have to like roll, roll over, get your feet out, and then try and get up and push out. And then I remember walking up the stairs. That was brutal. And you were fit going into this. We thought we were fit going into this. But I tell you what, he got us, he got us incredibly fit, this guy. Really, really fit. So what was the prize money uh, playing in playing professional? So what, was your, what was your first tournament <coughs> as a pro? Cool. British Open? I did, I, did, I did play the British Open, yeah. And did you earn, you know, like 50 quid or something? Yeah, 50, 25 quid or something like that. Which was, you know, in those days, that was, that was last year of the week. So was that more money than you were making teaching, uh, teaching squash? No. no. So oh, well, did, no, no, that I, I would still do the little bit of coaching, mm. which got you in, you know, maybe 30 or 40 quid for the week. You know, and then they supplemented with, the, with this. But they, they, they did know when I was coaching, they did know that, you know, there might be times when I wasn't going to be there. Um, well, it's just interesting that even back then, um, teaching was more profitable for uh, than playing in mm. the pro tour, kind of like now. Like where yeah. the, the, the guys who are playing on the pro tour now right. make more money after they retire and come to the states and coach than they do right. when they're actually on tour. It doesn't seem to have changed since you were playing. But I was, I was, I've always been a kind of a sort of like inventive guy. I was, I was the pros pro. There's no doubt about that. I was the pros pro because I, I organized things like England versus Australia. Myself and Angela Smith, who was the England number one at the time, versus I can't remember who, maybe Kevin Shawcross and one of the women I can't remember. And it would be like I'd set up like nine venues, 
So, you know, and I'd say to the venues, you know, how many people can you get in? You should charge them this. You can make 10% and we're going to take the rest. You know, we went, we, I, took, um, I took England versus Egypt, Abbas Kayoud and sadly Ahmed Safwat yeah. to Northern Ireland. We were the first professional sport to go to Northern Ireland sort of as, as, as the troubles were on. And dude, that talk about, talk about getting publicity. We were on the back of papers. We were interviewed. We were, had TV come and cover us. The whole thing, they, they couldn't be, have been happier that a professional sport went to Northern Ireland. I mean, In like 75? Yeah, seventy. You know, it's all happening. And it was, and it was again. It was a good. It was a good combination because, like, <coughs> the number t- ones would play the number twos the first night, and then the next night the number twos would play and the number ones would play. So we're getting two nights of unbelievable squash. So I did things like that: England versus Scotland, England versus New Zealand. I did a tour with Danny Lee, who's at um, St George's. Right. He, he'll tell you he was a young teenager. I'm like, come on, Danny, come with me up to Scotland. We're going to play. We're going to do these little tours, and he's like. He, he didn't tell me he did, he did Scotland. He said, oh, the only thing I remember about Scotland is the distilleries. <laughs> and of course, after every game in Scotland, it was like, hey, Jimmy, come on, you're coming back to our house for the, for the whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's murder. It must have. Did you go overseas with those kind of tours? I, I, I actually um, worked in South Africa. I had the connections in South Africa, so I went back to South Africa and worked there. I worked in Johannesburg. I would go back for sort of three months of the year when it was like the dead, you know, it was their, it was their season yeah. down there, nothing happening at all. So I'd go to South Africa for three months, June, July, and August, play in the sort of, the, 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 what's the Jarvis. Club, the Jarvis Club. Uh, play, I coached in Johannesburg for a while, but my, I, I was well known in Durban because that's where the finals had been. So I went to Durban and coached at um, Shanga Rocks which was a resort which had three courts. But again, that was great because a Kevin Caron, who was a South African boxer, and I think he subsequently went to coach, he got into get into squash big time. He went he married and went and lived in Germany and he got into squash. Um, but the local like the, the waiters, the the the, uh, the the indigenous African guys, dude, I mean, we were on court at midnight for two or three hours with these guys and they're like, Yeah man, yeah and then like, yeah, tomorrow, they'd be like, yeah, tomorrow, like, yeah, okay, tomorrow, yeah, sure. You know, they were just keen to play the game of squash. I really enjoyed that uh, down there. And then I met a guy called, I was sitting in a club in, in, in England once, <coughs> the old club, what was it called, Lamp, not Lamp. Lansdowne. Lamp, no, not Lansdowne, the one that closed down. Oh, Lambs. Lambs. I was sitting in there one day, I'd just finished playing, I was sitting in the bar with like a shandy, and this guy sits down next to me, and he just goes, hi. My name's Jim Mason. I'm like, oh, Brian Patterson. Nice to meet you, Jim. Jim was from Canada. And he said to me, he said, yeah, anytime you want to come to Canada, let me know. I'll organise it all for you. I'm like, really? Oh, thanks, Jim. Next week. You know, so about two weeks later, letter, you had to write letters in those days, or phone, I'm writing letters in Jim, like, yeah, I'd love you to take you up on your offer, blah, blah, blah. He said, yeah, if you can come in January, it's a little bit quiet, come in January, and I'll set up all these exhibition matches for him. I'm like, sure. Um, and Brian Pearson came with me, you know, I took, again, I took sort of sparring partners, Brian Pearson came with me, had a great tour, and then I then went, decided to do uh, Canada in the summer as well, where I coached at the OAC club in, in Ottawa mm-hmm. for a while, we did tours across Canada, you know, to Vancouver and Vancouver Island, exhibition matches, I used to give clinics, not clinics as you know them here, I would go on talk on court and talk about the basic Mm. Uh, shots of the game and take two of their players on court for them to demonstrate and just take the rip out of them because you know like okay boys 
okay, guys, I'm one on that side, one on that side. Here's a ball each now. Let's see how many times you can hit the service box. You know, maybe two or three, and then they're like, oh, world record, you know, and you just, the card, card used to love that sort of stuff. They really did. So I did, I did a lot of that. Did you ever come to the States <coughs> in, in this era, in the 70s? No, I didn't. Flew through the States, yeah. you know, with them. Um, what, what was the guy called that had the airline? And, um, no, he, uh, he, 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 He'd line up. Eastern Airlines. No, no, this guy was inventive. He, he just used to line up and, and a line, you'd buy a ticket, get on board. You know, if, you, if the tickets were all sold, you had to wait for the next flight. Laker, Freddie Laker. Right. Laker flight. Yes. We used to do that, get on the flights. It's cheap. Come here and then go up to Canada, yeah. And he literally lined up and just bought your ticket at the airport. Like a bus. Okay, 200, great. Sorry, you got to wait for the next flight. <laughs> so we did so, that. The reason you're doing all these exhibitions and clinics and tours is because there aren't a lot of pro tournaments, right? Like you had to supplement yeah, your yeah, income. Yeah. Well, it was, it was also it was slightly, you know, the ISPA had just been formed. I was one of the inaugural members of ISPA. What do you mean you were inaugural member? Like, were you there the first day? Yeah. Uh, well, ISPA was it was just a, it was the body that was going to run right. professional sports. And, and was there a meeting that you were? Yeah. Yeah. There was a meeting. Jim, where? Oh, God. Who was there? Like Jonah, Jeff Hunt, uh, Hiddy, um, one or two of the pa uh, Egyptians. I think it was maybe about fifteen to twenty guys at this meeting. You know, it was just, in London. I think it was it might have been in Birmingham. Hmm. It might have been in Birmingham. So it was called. You know, we're going to form this association. We believe that this is what you should pay per year to be a member of this. So it was like you know, quite a bit, quite a chunk of money. Went for shit. All right, better. But you know, we'll join because they're going to have their own tournament. <coughs> Um, and, and so was the, I was there at the inaugural meeting, yeah. Um, so it was interesting, you know, the, the, the fact that we were getting together as a body um, to play professional sports. Did uh, anybody talk about women then at that meeting? They, like, did, not, should... they did not. No, mm -hmm. we did not. Because I think, I, think the, I don't know there was any professional... Well, there may have been one or two professional women, like yeah. Angela Smith. Yeah. Actually, I'm not sure. Some of these women that came and played on my little... You know, this, these things that I... Might have been amateurs, and officially yeah. came to the states in '90, right? Came to the states in '93. Peter Robson brought me to the states two years before that to do camps at Amherst. And I think he kind of we went to the same school, but not at the same time. Mm. And he kind of knew he kind of knew about me, knew that I was. I mean, I had been. From Were you working as a pro, <coughs> a, a touring pro, throughout the '80s, throughout the '70s, '74 so to '74 to '81, right before the the, the 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 touring court yeah, was being yeah. used and everything. 81, I'm getting a bit old, I settled down into being a squash pro, a, a squash coach. Where? Um, I was at uh, Portsmouth, Portsmouth Squash Club. Mm -hmm. um, so I was down there, um, and then I get this call from Robson saying, hey, you know, I've got some counts on it here in the States, would like, and I'm like, yeah, sure, come to the States, it'd be great, yeah. He said, we're, we're, we're trying to, we're introducing people to the softball game. Mm -hmm. And, sorry, to take a step back, I went to Canada in 74 at the time when they were changing from the hardball to the softball, so That's people right. were like, they wanted you there, they wanted to know more about this game. I mean, we played a lot of our exhibition matches on the friggin' American the, courts. You had to, there are the courts then, yeah. I, I remember, I remember one, I, yeah. <coughs> I remember one, 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 I was doing this exhibition match, blah, 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 and I was talking, it was, it was, it was the clinic, you know, talking about the, the shots and things, but I was also talking about, like, the warm-up. In Canada, I was like, in the, in the knock-up, dude, the gallery fell apart. They're like, knock-up, what is he talking about? Like, and I was like, why are they, what the hell's the matter with these people? Why are they laughing like that? 
I said, I said at the end, I'm like, dude, I didn't get that. I said, I said the knock-up. He said, dude, the knock-up over here means getting knocked up, getting fucked. I'm like, oh, 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 I didn't realise that. <laughs> sort of little things like that, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm coaching, um, I get, yeah, get, get, the call, get, get the call from yeah. Robson. He said, come over. Just, so I went, I went over, and it was an adult camp. I, th- I think... In 91. In 91, yeah. And I think he had a couple of guys, a couple of board members from the Heights Casino on this. I think he's, they, knew that, they knew that Dave... Temple. Dave, Temple was going to be leaving. Oh, you know, was either going to get the push or was going to leave. Yeah. So they were trying to check people out. You know, so I think they had a couple of board members. They also sent Julia Beaver to my camps in England. And again, I think it was like, go see what this guy's about. You know, go see his camps are, blah, 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 the whole thing. She came for two years. I went, so I came on 91, came back in 92, and Robson's like, there's a jump coming up. You should take this. You should take this uh, jump at the high school. Mm-hmm. Another step back. So from, so from 94 through to when I came here, <clears throat> I was actually assistant national coach Squash coach in England. Yeah, I, never, right. I never wanted to be the, the full time guy because I like I'd watch these guys go through. I'm like, dude, I don't want to get all this politics and stuff like this. Yeah. Tony Swift was the first one. He got me on board. Nice. Um, and another little another little tidbit about this. This is how big squash was in the seventies. The Daily Mail was it the Mail Express did a cartoon strip of how to play squash. Huh. I was the guy in the cartoon because it was I was a if Tony Tony did the the, the, the verbals the written stuff. And I, they they came and like took photographs and we're gonna put you in. I'm like, but I'm lefty there. We don't care. We don't be like what the hell squash anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, it ran for about eight weeks. This little cartoon strip, and again, didn't freaking keep any of them. So sad. Uh, so go back to Robson. So he said, he said, dude, there's a there's a, there's a job coming up here. Mm-hmm. Says, you know, you should think about applying for it. So at the time, were you happy in Portsmouth and had a nice? I just I actually just him? left Portsmouth in 1919. Went to Leon Solent, another little small club, yeah, that's right, yeah, pretty yeah. pretty close by. Yeah. Um, and that that was a that was they, they were both very family oriented mm-hmm. junior clubs. You know, with lots of kids. Yeah. Um, so I was at I was at Lee. Um, like Robson said, you apply for the job. I applied for the job. He said, look, they'll pay your airfare. They'll look after you for a week. You'll see New York. I'm like, this is great. Is better than the same oh, house. Really? I'm going. I'm going to New York. So I came out here. You know. They they worked you hard, you know, like individuals, adults, groups, groups of adults, groups of kids, the whole thing. But you also have a little bit of time to look around. So I did I did the week here. Peter Heffernan took me out the first night for dinner. He said, so I've been told to take you out. Got to give you the best meal you've ever had. I'm like, let's go. You know, Will Carling came and sort of like grilled me for hours. He took lessons every day, like, you know, grilled me. Dude, this, guy, this guy's really intense here. Whoa, what's going on? You know, grilling. Grilling. I'm like, yeah. I was like, hey, ten Yeah, I'm back tomorrow. Like, oh, fuck. Damn. And so we did the week, and I go back in and think, that was great, man. That was great. And I'm like, yeah, let's get back into it. You know? And then about two months later, the letter comes going, who would you like to offer you the job? I'm like, what? I'm like, thinking, I wasn't even thinking about this. I'm like, I just went there for the holiday for the week. It was great. Come back. I want to offer you a job. So I, I, and Robson had gone up and he said, you should take it, you should definitely take that job. And it, I did, it, you know, it gets into your brain, like, this seems to me a little bit like Canada in 1974 when they were changing, and I'm like, this is, like, this is about to be kind of cool to get into the, get in on the start of a squash revolution change <coughs> in the States. Yeah. So i like, all right, I'll take the job. Yeah, I'll take the job. So I came over, I remember landing at Newark Airport, the taxi driver was like, uh, it's like midnight, where are you going? 
coming uh, high Brooklyn High CAA and then where are you going? I'm going I'm going down to um what's the big what's the town over the river there? No, Hoboken no, no, like no, one woman's no. like, I'm going to Hoboken and guys, I'm going to Jersey City. He said, Get on in, in the lot of you. I'm like, What the? So, all these, so I am the last to get dropped off at like four o'clock in the morning at the ice because I'm like, What the hell? I thought you'd just gone in and got a taxi on your own. Hoboken, Jersey City, over here. So, that was the introduction. And I stayed with the Owls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I stayed with them for about maybe four weeks. Mm-hmm. And I sorted myself out. Um, came to the Hatch Casino. There was the space, no glass back in there, no sideboard here. I'm like, what am I doing here? There's no courts, you know? But they, they did use the um, ESC around the corner, mm-hmm. which was a warren of, of, you know, up and downstairs here and there. Yeah. Really opened up. So, yeah, so um, came out here the first year, Bill, Bill from his son played. We called him the princess, Bill from Greenwich. Right, Bill Broadman, like he got on to me like so, come on, come on, come on dinner. I'm like sure, I'll come on dinner. Come on, he said so hard at work in England, you know, hard at work going on. There. I said well, you know, I was with the, I was with England squash, and the, the big thing for me over there was like um, squats. We did squats, you know, you do thirteens, you fifteens, you seventeens, you nineteens squats. I said squats. I said that you know, this is something they should be thinking about doing over here. And the next thing it go like U.S. squash, like you can, you want to do the squats, you do them. You get everything, we'll tell you the kids, which was fine, you know, like I didn't have the hassle of dealing with the parents, but we'll tell you the kids, you deal with, get the coaches, get the courts, get the accommodation, tell us what, the, what we're going to charge each of the kids. So I, I did that, um, I did it for about two or three years. Wow. Um, and then I think they, you know, they, they, they obviously wanted to bring it in-house, uh, so they did. Um, so I got the squads going. The other thing I got going, which I think Bill would tell you, is um, Met Lin- uh, down when I was down in Philly, I was coaching Melinda Justice's kid Parker, right. yeah. and she was like, "What goes on in England? You know what else?" I said, "Well, they have these uh, high school things, but they do them in regions, eight regions. The winner goes into the they go up to the quarterfinals and they play through." She said, "Oh, we gotta do that here." I'm like, "Oh, oh, get, 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 get." She said, "Yeah." So she came to US squash and said, "You should be doing the high school team championships." She was like, "No, no, no, no." Yeah. So, so she, she did was like, right? "Let's do it." She's yeah. like, "Let's do it." Yeah, she bought the cup. She booked the hotel. It was that like, show, right? It was that show. And it was like, a, a she, had, she tried to do it at a college. And yeah. They were like, man, yeah, whatever. Yeah, right? no, so she had to do it on And I think it was six teams, six high school teams. And then the next year, there was like 12. And the third year, I was like, we've got to get girls involved here. And um, she's like, you're right. So then we got girls involved. It was on like eight girls teams and like 16 or 17 boys teams. And you could see it getting bigger and bigger. And that's when the US squash said, you know what? We should be running this one. Like, yeah, you should be running this. Please take it off our hands. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll just start that with her. And this year, 190 teams. Two weeks from times. now. Yeah, we're going to be there. We're going to we're taking our first ever uh, city squash high school team there because we finally got eight kids at the same school, which you go out of the same school, you know. So yeah, but again, again, going back to female squash. When I was in Portsmouth, I coached Martine Lemoyne, mm. who was the British. She yeah. she was in Nottingham. She was there with Lisa Ropey. Mm. I think there's a bit of this going on between the two of them. So she looked at the move, and she, the, the guy that owned Portsmouth squash, I think, got in touch and said, "Look, why don't you come down here and base yourself here?" So she did. For, I think she was there for about six years. Mm. Um, never won the British Open. Damn it! Always three two against Susan Devoy. Always three two. Great matches. She just never won the British Open, which was the same. She was the she won the World Championships, right. won the British clothes loads of times, but 
damn Susan Roy, damn it. She was good, huh? Oh, she was good. She was good. And then Heather Wallace, who's now up in Canada. Yeah. Um, she yeah. came down, she was a Scottish number one. Yeah. And a girl called Tracy Cunliffe, who was the under-19 world champion, came down. She stayed for two years, it was funny. And she stayed for two years and then she was like, can't do this, it's too hard. She left, she went to Spain. I think she's like, I'm going to Spain, I do have a totally different lifestyle. So she went to Spain. Unbelievable. She got in touch with City Squash just before, like about the end of November. She sent them two freaking photographs. One of me sitting with her, and the other one, me with, at her dad's club, me with, I think it was, one of the Egyptians was standing like this, like this, short shorts. Yeah. They all ragged like this. Dude, it's, it's so, so funny. Oh, and she sent the city squash. And city squash were like, we got these photographs. They didn't show me what that said. We got these photographs. Do you mind if we do um, Throwback Thursday with them? I'm like, yeah, I'd like to see the photographs first before you do that. So they showed me these photographs. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, you can put them up. They were so good. You know, the old tight shorts up high. Oh my God, the old wooden rings. So I, I met her at Christmas again. I said, how's it going? And uh, she got into the music business, was a, was a big um, agent for some of them, not quite the top lot of um, bands and singers, but the sort of next lot down. And uh, it was interesting to meet her again. Very interesting to meet her. No, she's not playing any squash. So then you, you went down to uh, Philadelphia for seven went, years? Went to, um, I was here for seven years with, yeah. at, at uh, Heights Casino. I, everybody thought I was going back home to get married. I don't know where that came from, I'm like, dude, once bitten, twice shy, I'm not doing that again. So. The, um, there was a couple of jobs down there. There was a job at Berwyn, which, um, um, what's the guy that owns it again? Dominic. Dominic got in touch and said, look, I've got a job here, you want to take it, blah, blah, blah. And then Ben Dazon was like, look, I'm leaving CHA, why don't you take the job, why don't you take over here and build this club, blah, blah, blah. And I can't remember what other job it might be. So I sat for the whole of the summer, like, at June, July, and I'm like, ah. so I'm like, I wrote Ben said, oh, I'll take the job at CHA, which was the right, was right for me. And the Jenny, Jenny Pearson, mm -hmm. whose daughter was there at the time, yeah. she was like, she was older, and she was like, yeah, great, and I'm like, oh, another crazy parent to deal with, you know. But I went there, we had a great time. I brought a couple of, uh, Tina Ricks came over there, yeah. I worked for me, Joe Russell came there, Mike Jeffries, who's still there, yeah. this, came over. Mike Jeffries was funny, met him at the World Championships um, in two, in 98, in 2000, and said to him, hey, I've got, you know, I've just taken this job, do you want to, you know, come and take, come and take a job with me? He's like, no, 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 no. Australia's where it's at. Australia's where squash is big. I'm going there. He had some family there as well. He said, I'm going to Australia, that's where squash is big. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, oh really? I'm like, okay. So he went like six months later, like, Brian, still got that job? Is that job still like, going on? I said, so what's happened then? He said, well, it's not as big as I thought. <laughs> and he came and worked for me at, um, at CHA. Yeah. He was a good guy. He's still running the place. That's very, right. very straight guy. Um, I, wouldn't, I, can't, I can't call him sort of like fun Bobby because he's not fun Bobby, Bobby at all, you know, never, would never come out for a drink with us at all, he wouldn't really socialise, but he's a great guy, good, very good organiser. Yeah, very professional. Very, he is very Runs a great programme. Yeah, he is, yeah, he's got a good thing going. And then, so what happened that uh, precipitated, you know, getting into the urban squash? The urban squash, world. Brian Mathias had worked at the urban squash and he and I were big buddies, we'd done tours to Europe with kids and things like that. Right. Um, he kept on me, he said, dude, this job's coming, he said, it'd be perfect for you, your age, it'd be perfect, no crazy parents, you'll love these kids, just think about it. So I'm like, ah, let me think about it. And then Tim got on my case as well, I'm like, Tim, but he's much more aggressive. And he's like, come on, baby, I hear Matthias has been talking to you, take the job. 
I'm like, yeah, leave me alone, you know, just leave me alone. So Matthias and I, I was in Spain, in Santiago de Compostela. Mm. Brian was coming across to, to, to join us and go around Europe, Spain, Germany, Holland. He was bringing um, uh, Doug Douglas's son over. Um, but, but he was smart. He said to Doug Douglas, I'll take your kid, but you've got to pay for a, 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 a city squash kid to come with it. And Freddie went. Freddie was the guy that went. So, so that's Freddie. It's Freddie Hernandez. Yeah. Who was a squash employee. Yeah. So Fre- uh, Tim brought brought Freddie over and um, I think Tim brought Freddie over to meet Brian in Spain mm-hmm. and handed it off. But he, he, he stayed for a week. And he's with his mother who was just having a break. Whatever. But every goddamn day he's like, BP, come on, take, come take the job. Come take it. I'm like, no, just leave me alone right now. He's like, every goddamn day, like, take the job, take the job. I'm like, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it. And then he left. I'm like, ah, it's gone. Thank God for that. First email in the morning. Tim White, I'm like, what the fuck does this guy want? What does he want? I open it up. All that's written in the emails, in big letters, TAKE THE JOB! And I'm like, guy, he doesn't leave me alone, does he? So I, I went around Europe with Brian, and Brian talked about it. I'm like, you know what? Sounds like a really, really interesting job, really good job. So I emailed Tim back and said, all right, I'll take the job. But we need to talk about it. You know, we need to talk about the, the, what, what the deal is, not, not the money. Again, not the money, just what's involved here. So he's like, okay, he's, he's like, actually, he'll tell you. So I opened it and like went, he's going to take the job, what? Whoa. He got a shock. So we met, and he was like, look. And at the time, I was thinking, maybe I can do six months in Europe, hmm. see the family, stay there, and then come back in and do six months here. And he was like, look, there's no way we can ever give you six months to Europe. He said, that's just not going to work. And you can see the brain, his brain, and he said, that's it. But he's telling me, he said, I'll tell you what. There's a little bit of a stall. He said, we'll give you three months. Put my hand straight out for that one, and, we, and he shook hands. The minute we shook hands, he's, he went, Oh, you shook hands too quickly. <laughs> I'm like, What are you talking about? He said, well, Have I given you two months? I said, Well, if you'd given me two months, I'd have taken two months. But guess what? You just gave me three, buddy. <laughs> so I'm taking June, July, and August off. So that was, so he's like, You could see him, oh, Okay. <laughs> so it was really funny. That was funny. So that's, that was, a, that was a, for me, that was a great deal. Because you could do your camps. I knew my camps. But also, like, for me, at my age, you need that break to be able to come back and be relatively intense with these kids and do what you do, you know, for, right. for the year. Because we work seven days a week, basically. And it, it, it's, 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 I love it. I, I love it. So I had this thing about, like, I love to love ride across the country, you know, San Francisco to the Bronx. And um, three, three students from Fordham were like, that'd be great. One of them was going to drive, the other two would like to ride and sort of switch it around. And two, and they're like, let's take some city shorts kids. So, well, first of all, Tim was the best. Then he was like, oh. what, "What year is this?" Twenty eleven. So Tim's like, um, "Who's doing this?" I said, well, "I'm taking the city shop." Yeah, no, no, well, you know, litigation here. He said, "We're not covering this. We're not going to have you taking our kids across country on bikes on a road." No, 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 no. He said, well, who, who? "He said, uh, since '86, you do it." So I'm like, "Yeah, sure, we'll do it under since '86." So you're covered. I'm like, "Yeah, of course we're covered." So since 86 is your camp? It, since 86 is your camp, but we, he was like, you've got to do it under the 686, since 86 banner as opposed to the city squash banner in case anything goes wrong. Right. He said, you can still sort of say city squash, right. but we're not, anything Officially. goes wrong, but you're the one getting sued, not us. Right. So I'm like, oh, thanks, Tim. Did you, so, tell, him, did you tell him you're going to raise money on the <coughs> since 86 banner also, and that probably changed his mind? We did, we raised, we did raise some money. Um, one of the guys bought an old van uh, down in the University of Tennessee. He went down to Clayton and drove with his dad to the West Coast for a bit of bonding. Um, we had the van insured for 
weeks to take. We had the van insured for like a certain month, but did it in the ride. We like went two or three days into the next month, and Tim was Tim didn't know about this, but we're like did we're driving uninsured? And I'm like, shit, shit, shit. Well, he finds out about this, but he did find out in the end. He's like, you did that? I said, yeah, we did, but we're still here, Tim. We're okay. Everything worked. Everything was okay, you know. So we did this ride, and it was it was it was a great great ride. You know, these two kids. I'll never forget these two kids. One's at Hamilton. I think he's just about, he has just graduated. The other one, Angel Maldonado, who was like this Dominican Republic kid, nice kid, but it blew you away because like he was like into everything out there, you know, butterflies, but he's like, wow, you see that? I'm like, what? See that? Up there on the ridge? See that elk? I'm like, what? Shit. And he was like, it was amazing to think that these kids who come from the Bronx and like that could actually be like that, you know? It really was fascinating. Um, how long was the ride, the first one? About uh, four weeks. And were you doing, how many miles a day were you trying we to did, do? We did, I got the route from a guy from Greenwich, never met the guy, but he sent me the route, he said, look, this, there's a lot of miles every day. Um, we were doing 85 minimum, and I think the most we did was about 130. Wow. Um, but I had told did that take on you. I, I, I came back, <laughs> I came back, went back to England, and then had back operation in, uh, right. in November. I don't know whether you know, it was instigated the, the back operation, but I did. I remember going back, and about halfway through the summer, thinking, "Shit, I can't really stand up like this." And that was okay. Standing up wasn't, and you know, got got one of the surgeons here to sort me out. So since the surgery, how many rides have you done? We, uh, we've done two more. We did uh, Route sixty six in twenty fifteen. We went back. We went from Los Angeles to Chicago to get close at home, and then this year we did the West Coast, which was amazing. That was mm. great. So, um, just outside Seattle, uh, down to San Diego. So what do you love about biking as opposed to squash? You are not in a small confined space with white walls and red lines and a black ball flying around. You're out there and you can see loads. You're out there in the fresh air. You're getting a bit of exercise. You're camping. Um, you just, it's just you are, you're seeing the country, you know, and it's brilliant. All your time at City Squash, would you say that's the highlight of your of your City Squash? No, career? I mean I think it's I think it's one of the many highlights I've had at City Squash. I and mean, just seeing some kid hit a ball is a highlight. Right. You know, going going and watching a kid smack a ball on the forehand and then go to the backhand and go try the backhand. You know, whiffs it and all. But then you know, after a period of time, you just start hitting the backhand. No, I think I get a bit of kick out of seeing kids, you know, start not being able to hit a ball. They, they start to hit the ball both sides and you, you know, for me the, the sort of telltale is when you do lengths and boasts with them, you know, you high boast, will they be able to hit it down the wall and once they start doing that, I think, you know, and they, and, and, and they, they boast, then I think you, you're on the way to producing mm. a decent player, you know? The editing of this podcast is going to be something else again. And this, this is like for three weeks. Outside the Glass would like to thank SquashProShop.com for their support of the podcast. Outside the Glass would like to thank all of you who have been listening to our podcast for the last three years now. Um, and thanks so much for uh, writing comments and liking it on Facebook and um, uh, most of all spreading the word uh, with your friends. And we'd like to thank Grant Irving, our uh, amazing producer.